0: Well, this morning, um, man, this has been a fantastic week. I'll be honest with you, I ain't as young as I once was. <laughs> this week has been a tremendous amount of fun, um, especially in the area of children's ministry. Camp Shadow Lake 2021 is in the books, and it was a phenomenal week. Like Miss Hannah was saying just a second ago, um, we had over, I think, 125 kids or so that came and hung out with us throughout the week, and we had a tremendous week um, Playing a lot, having a lot of fun, um, serving a lot of different ways, learning a whole lot, and sweating a whole lot. Um, as you can imagine, we were outside all week. Um, and as Hannah mentioned, the Lord did answer our prayer. But, but I did learn something about prayer this week. Um, You've got to be very specific when it comes to prayer. We pray, Lord, don't let it rain on our camp. He did. He, he did not let it rain on our camp. I didn't pray, God, please let it not be 100 degrees every day. So next year we're going to pray, hopefully maybe for some air conditioning. That would be nice. But it was hot, but it was a lot of fun. The kids did phenomenal, and the adults, everybody. The bottom line, it would not have been possible if it wasn't for what I call the Grace Life Army. Many of you that are in this room this morning gave of your own time, your own effort, your blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, in the weeks prior to camp, getting prepared, getting the, the grounds ready, fighting off the bugs and the poison oak. To get it ready and cleared out for our kids to come, and preparing lessons and crafts and concessions and all the things that it took to pull off our our adventure camp, and so we are grateful for this tremendous time that the Lord gave us. But especially thank you to all the volunteers, hundreds of people that uh, gave of themselves. Um, it was a tremendous time of, of me being able to sit back and kind of watch all this come together. Um, obviously, anytime you plan something of that size. There's a lot of question marks and a lot of loose ends that need to be tied up. But trusting the Lord and and his people to come together, man, it was phenomenal to be able to watch all that happen. And um, it was bottom line, we got to watch the servants of God serving for his glory and for our joy. But that's what church should be, right? God's people coming together, serving one another, you know, serving the Lord. Coming together, using our abilities, our gifts, our time, our talent even our treasure, for his glory. Sometimes we're called to do hard things, challenging things, but all those lead us to come together so that the gospel message can go out to those that need to hear. And so that's what life around Grace Life is all all about. In Grace Life family, we are truly blessed. If you don't already know that, hear me today. We are a blessed congregation. We are a blessed church family. Because of so many servants in our fellowship, we give God so much praise for that. So to all of you who helped make this past week possible, to help make it a reality, we say thank you. Thank you so much. We cannot do it. While we have a talented staff and um, goofy and willing to do whatever it takes, we couldn't do it without the church family. And so we are so grateful for how you came alongside us and helped make it a reality again what happened last week is really not all that uncommon if you spend any time around grace life you you see this almost week in and week out around here men and women brothers and sisters coming together to serve the lord to do whatever it takes to pull off ministry to make it happen the fact is as a church family again we're tremendously blessed that this is not just a one week out of the year this happens week in and week out and every person in this room is blessed because of that As you came in today, someone handed you a worship guide, and the the building was prepared for us to gather today, and babies are being rocked, and things came together. Things are happening out of our new campus, being prepared for us to gather there sooner than later, hopefully. And so many hands coming together week in and week out, being obedient to what God has called us to be doing. Stacking chairs and unstacking chairs and preparing to teach Sunday school lessons, and the list goes on and on and on around here. And, and our church family faithfully answers that call week in and week out. That's part of what we call the grace life DNA, who we are. I mean, it's, it's one of our big four, right? Worship, connect, serve, and go. It's a, a biblical picture of what it means to be the body of Christ. And so all of us, all of us are called to serve in some capacity. We serve the Lord. By serving his church, by serving one another. Now, serving can look a lot different in different ways. I just listed a few. But there's so many different ways that God has called you, that God has gifted you, has equipped you with talents and abilities that you can serve. I remember in a membership class not too long ago, uh, one of the gentlemen that was in the class, he said, you know, I, I move dirt for a living. I said, man, let's figure out how you can move dirt for the glory of God. In fact, I've got a bunch of dirt not too far from here that needs moving. Guess what, brother? You're up. And it was amazing to be able to see him realize, I can move dirt for the glory of God. And God has done that. God doesn't, nothing that we need takes God by surprise, right? He knows our needs before we know them. And all we got to do is be willing to say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Use the abilities that you've given me. So again, it looks different in a lot of different ways around the church family. Our study through the book of Acts, a church on the move, brings us to a, a biblical example of what one example of what it means to serve in the church. And so this morning we're going to continue uh, in the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 6 this morning. So as you're making your way to Acts chapter 6 in your copy of God's Word, let me just kind of quickly remind us of where we left off when Pastor Joel was with us a couple weeks ago. And by the way, continue to pray for Pastor Joel. He is recovering from COVID and doing well, but like myself, he's not as young as he once was, and so recovery is taking a little longer than he would like, but um, continue to lift him up in, this, in your prayers this morning. So again, in Acts, the beginning in cha- at chapter 1, we saw that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. Then he sent the Holy Spirit to empower his church. The believers were regularly gathering together, meeting together and fellowshipping with one another. They were continuing to make disciples As Jesus had commanded them to do. Thousands of people were coming to know the Lord. Thousands of people were giving their heart to follow Christ. And this was happening. All this was taking place in the face of great persecution. There was threats being made and arrests being made and ridicule all around and even beatings. And we'll see in the next chapter that even people's lives were being taken. All because they were doing exactly what you and I were doing, are doing right now. They were gathering together as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Not only was there trials from outside the church, there was challenges from within. We saw, and uh, we, we looked at Ananias and Sapphira's, um, let's call it bad decision or poor choice, and withholding from the Lord with great consequences. But through all the trials, the Holy Spirit gave great boldness to continue sharing the gospel giving hope to those who were hopeless and this all was taking place just in the very first few years of the church these men and women of God were figuring out what does it mean to be the body of Christ this thing called the church it was brand new you and I have probably grown up in it this is all very new to them so you can imagine the excitement and the Question marks and the the needs that were arising, but they continued to gather in homes and fellowship together. Um, but as they did that, some challenges arose, some complaints. Now I know what you're thinking: complaints in the church? No way! Come on, they must have been really jacked up people. No, they were human, just like you and I. Right? We are all human. The Lord was doing amazing things in and through them. But at the end of the day, they're still people. They're still human people with a sin nature. And so there was some oversight, some prejudice, some mishandling of resources, but, but none of this caught the Lord off guard. He gave his apostles a clear answer to this challenge. And so we're going to look now at Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. But Before we dive into God's Word, let's go to, together to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, once again, we thank you, Lord, that We have an opportunity to look into your word now. We thank you for this gift, this miracle that you've given us to study and to learn and to know. And so Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and you would open our eyes and our ears to hear the truth and see the truth that you have for us this morning, your truth, your word. Father God, you speak to us and help us to embrace your truth this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Let's read And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So, the first thing we see here is this complaint. This complaint came to the attention of the disciples. Some of the widows were not being equally treated as others. Now, we don't fully know why this was happening, except that it was the Hellenists, and the Hellenists were the Greek speaking Jews in the church, in the fellowship. And those widows, that, the Hellenist widows, were being overlooked. The Hellenists had embraced different aspects of the Greek culture. And as a result, the Hebrews, the native Jewish people, were sort of standoffish. They were um, cautious, suspect even, of this particular group of people. So the Hellenists believed that their widows were not being treated the same as the Hebrew widows in the food distribution that the church offered. And so we can rightly assume that personal prejudice had already crept into the fellowship of the believers, and this was simply wrong. And the apostles, when it was brought to their attention, agreed it was not right that this was taking place. But the the apostles also knew clearly what the Lord had called them to do, their role and their responsibilities in the church. So being led by the Lord, they told the church to choose seven men from among the fellowship that could fulfill this role, could meet this need in the church. Now, this was not to be just a random seven, the first seven that walked in the door. The apostles, again, being led by the Lord, gave the church certain qualifications that these men needed to have in their life, that needed to be visible in their life in order for them to serve in this capacity. We see in verse 3 that this list of just a few qualifications. The first one, they were to be men of good repute. They were to have a good reputation. See, you you didn't need someone in that position that wasn't well thought of. This was going to be a position that would be out front serving and bringing unity, right? This, This group of men were going to solve some problems and bring unity back into the fellowship because of our sin nature That disunity had already crept into the church. And so this is a huge task. And these need to be men that had a good reputation. and were well thought of within the church family. Secondly, they were to be full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. They must be faithfully walking with the Lord. Again, this was going to be a a work or a ministry of the church. The the glory of God was at stake. The the reputation of Christ was on the line here. And so there needed to be men to step up and, and that were proven to be faithful followers of Christ, full of the Spirit of the Lord to handle this task. And not only full of the Spirit, they were to be full of wisdom, full of wisdom. They needed to be able to look at the situation, and discern the right from the wrong, and to make wise decisions and how this need could be met and how this unity could be uh, once again restored into the church. And so... Men of good repute, full of the Spirit, and full of wisdom. And so they did. They served the fellowship. They selected seven men, and we listed their names a minute ago. These men who met these biblical qualifications to serve in this capacity. And they met, and the apostles met with them, and I'm sure had conversations about the task at hand, and then laid their hands on them and prayed over them, and then let them get busy. said, all right, guys go to work, begin serving the church, begin restoring the unity. And the apostles went back to doing what God had called them to do. And in verse 7, we see the results of this effort. First of all, the Word of God continued to increase. The preaching, the teaching, began, not only just stayed the same, but it increased. More and more people were hearing the gospel. More and more disciples were being made. This is the second part we see. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Thousands had already come to know the Lord and were followers of Christ. Now, that has multiplied more and more. Because these men of God were meeting in need in the church, they were willing to serve and do some challenging things, the gospel was going forth. And then thirdly, a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The very same people that were part of the persecution, God changed their heart. Because the disciples, the, the, The men, the seven men, began to serve the Lord and to meet this need. The gospel went forth, and men of God, or men who were persecuting the church, now became obedient to the faith. God changed their heart. A great work was being done in the church because these men of, of the Lord began to serve. Now, these seven men were not called deacons at this time. However, it is safe to say that this was the beginning of the deacon type of ministry that we see in the church and we see in the scriptures in the, later on in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul would later go on to give the church specific instructions and guidance as to the qualifications for the office and the ministry of deacons. So what I want us to do, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3 Verses 8-13. through 13. In this letter, Paul is writing to a young pastor, to, to Timothy. He gives instructions. In the first part of chapter 3, we see him giving qualifications for those that are to serve in, in the position of pastor, leader, overseer, elder, if you will. There's three Greek words that are used throughout the New Testament referring to the office of pastor, elder, overseer, bishop, shepherd. Those words are used interchangeable. So Paul gives the qualifications for that. Then immediately following that, he gives the qualifications for a second position of leadership in the church. And that is the one of deacon. So beginning in verse 8, let's read. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves, and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. We see here that Paul gives similar qualifications that we saw in Acts chapter 6, but he extends that, he expands on that a little further. The qualifications we see here, one is first of all, they're to be dignified. Again, a man of good reputation who will take this matter seriously. This was a serious need that was happening. Again, this unity was creeping into the church, and if, if left unattended, the church fellowship. And sadly, we see churches fold and close their doors all the time. So this was a serious matter, and these men need to be dignified and willing to take on this hard task. Secondly, they're not to be double-tongued. In other words, saying one thing to one person and saying something else to someone else, saying something different to someone else. They should be consistent, honest, men of God, Not double tongue, not lying. Next, not addicted to much wine. His judgment must not be clouded by alcohol. He needed to be clear of mind so he could, again, rightly discern the tasks that were in front of him, in front of the church. And the next, they must hold the mystery of the faith. Paul oftentimes referred to the gospel as this great mystery that is now revealed. Once was a mystery, but now revealed. He says these men, these deacons, must hold the mystery of the faith. In other words, they must have a clear and right understanding of the gospel. Now, they weren't necessarily required to stand up and preach and teach, but they need to understand the work of the gospel, the ministry of the gospel. Because like all of us, they are called to make disciples, and conversation, and passing conversations with others to be able to explain the gospel and to to bear witness of the gospel of Christ. And so these men needed to hold the mystery, have a right understanding of the gospel message. Next, a a clear conscience. A clear conscience. This is more of a a sort of a a self-judging qualification. These men knew the qualifications that were set before them, and so They could, first of all, before it went any further, they look at their own heart, examine their own life, and say, Lord, do I meet this qualification? That's a very humbling experience. Uh, Many times throughout our deacon nomination process, I I have men, and they'll say, man, this is very humbling. I'm not worthy to serve in this manner. And and it's a very self-judging part of the qualifications. And and that's a good thing. We're called many times in Scripture to examine ourselves. It's right for us to do that. And it was right for the deacon to have a clear conscience. And then in verse 13, Paul speaks to the man's purity and faithfulness by saying that he should be the husband of one wife and faithfully lead his family. Not to be running around, and, but to be dedicated, fully dedicated, to, to be the shepherd of his own home. To be supportive and dedicated to his one wife and to his family, to lead in his own home before he can lead in the church family. And then Paul extends similar qualifications to the wife of the deacon, the helpmate, his support. First qualification we see is she as well should be dignified. Again, good reputation, taking this matter seriously. Not slanderers. She should be honest in speaking the truth. You want to be a trustworthy individual. Sober-minded, must be able to think clearly, again not clouded judgment, but be sober-minded. Faithful in all things, consistently living a life that pleases the Lord. Now, the reality is, when you study all of the New Testament, you get a glimpse that really, this description of these qualifications are really for all believers. But Paul is specifically addressing the office of deacon and their wives, and he gives these clear... Um, clear qualifications here and then in verse 10 Paul instructs that before a man can serve as a deacon he must first be tested meeting with the church leadership to verify yeah you you have a clear conscience you you think you're qualified we want to make sure we don't just want to put somebody up there and go I hope they do good we want to verify, we want to meet with them and talk with them and pray with them and answer questions and dialogue together and to make sure that these men that we're going to put up to, again, be frontline peacekeepers in our church, to be people that make sure our church is staying unified, they must be men of God, willing to do hard things and to serve in challenging situations. I mean, you had widows that weren't happy with you. That wasn't a good situation. And their families were upset, and so there had to be healing in the church. And these men that were being put forth had to meet certain qualifications. So if his conscience is clear and he feels he met the qualifications, then the leadership of the church must test him to affirm that he is indeed qualified to serve in this capacity. Now this time of testing is not meant to trip them up and to go, Hi, we got you. You just thought you were qualified. Next. No, it's not like that, like that at all. We come together, and again, we want to. this iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We want to lift up our brothers and make sure, though, that they're willing and ready to serve and that they meet these biblical qualifications. It's a good thing for a man to serve as a deacon. Look back at verse 13. It says, for those who serve well as deacons, they gain a good standing for themselves. They have a good reputation in the church. They're thought well of. This is not a boastful, prideful, I'm a deacon now, you must look at me. No, this is a, hey, man, I'm so grateful to serve. And so the church family goes, that's a man of God. That's one of our servants there. See that guy plunging the toilet? That guy stacking the chairs? That guy building the new church? These are men of God. We are grateful. They gain a great standing among the church family. This is some people we should look to and and mimic even in their relationship with the Lord. And the next thing it says, they will grow in their faith. By serving in this manner, deacons will be strengthened in their walk with the Lord. As they serve, and time and time again, they see God's hand at work, and God bringing healing to hurt feelings and healing to broken relationships within the church. Their own faith is strengthened as they serve the Lord, as they serve you, as they serve each other. Their relationship, their faith in the Lord is strengthened. It's a good thing for men to serve as deacons. Let's fast forward a little bit to today's churches, not necessarily Grace Life, but just today's churches in general. We, church today looks a lot different than it did a couple thousand years ago. But today we see the role of deacon, it looks different in various churches, in various denominations. It can look a lot different. They're given different roles and responsibilities in different churches, and, and that's okay. You see, Paul never really gives clear, defined responsibilities to the deacons other than to say they're basically the right hand, the right arms of the elders, the pastors of the church. They're the the second office of the leadership to to work together to meet the ministry needs, whatever the needs are in the church. So Grace Live being a Southern Baptist church, and Southern Baptist churches are autonomous. In other words, they mean, or that means we govern ourselves. Each local church governs themselves. Many SBC churches look different when it comes to the office of deacons and the responsibilities they give to those deacons and how they serve and what they do within the church. Some of you have been previously involved in churches where the deacons seem to run the church. In some cases, the deacons are given or take on more of a pastoral or elder role in those churches, and particularly in churches where they are lacking in pastoral roles, or maybe they're within without a pastor. They fill a void that is there when a church is without a pastor or multiple pastors. And unfortunately, it's not uncommon to hear of instances where deacons and pastors of churches are at odds with each other, maneuvering in fighting for control within the congregation. And this is tragic. It simply should not be. This definitely, this type of deacon and pastor relationship does not honor the Lord. The Lord has given his church clear instructions on what the leadership of the church should look like. Now, let's talk about grace life. Everybody take a breath. Because I am happy to say that is not what the relationship of our deacons and pastors are at grace life. We are blessed, church family. Just like we are blessed to have a tremendous amount of servants to help in all different aspects of ministry, we at Grace Life are tremendously blessed to have a group of men that serve as deacons, that support our pastors 100%, and our pastors and support our deacons 100%. These are men of God, recognized as servants of the Lord, and He has called them to be faithful to serve their, their church family. And they do. They do. The primary task of our deacon ministry here, much like what we see in Acts chapter 6, is the taking care of our widows and widowers. Unfortunately, this is a part of reality that people lose their spouses, and the church speaks specifically to that. And this is a role that our deacons take seriously. They they are committed to taking care of our widows and widowers. Now, each deacon is assigned a certain number they don't necessarily take them into their house and say, all right, you can come live with me now. You're my widow or my widower. No, they call them. They check in on them. They go to their house and they meet with them. And what can you do? What's going on in your life? How can we help? How can your church family help you? And they're very aware of what's going on in their current situation. And those needs can vary across the board. And but the most important thing they do is they pray with their widow or widower. And they share those prayer requests. And we, with all of our deacons, all of our staff, we are aware of certain things that we can pray for as well. And so their primary task is giving care to our widows and widowers. And that's a very good thing. Our deacons also serve each and every week to, to help the pastoral staff and the ministry staff to make sure what happens on Sundays and Wednesdays can happen there's a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts on this campus, and sometimes things don't always work like they're supposed to, and things overflow when they're not supposed to, or don't open when they're supposed to, and you can use your imagination, but our deacons are the front line. They're like, hey, y'all go take care what you need to. We got this. Time and time again, almost on a regular basis, I see a deacon with a mop or a vacuum. This morning, this room, this area, was hallways were vacuumed by one of our deacons. We're tremendously blessed to have these men serving. All of our deacons serving various ministries throughout the church, teaching Sunday school, helping out in every aspect. You name a ministry, I guarantee you there's a deacon involved in it. Maybe not women's ministry. <laughs> but even the women's ministry events, they're there to serve. I've seen that happen many times over and over. We are blessed to have these men come, come alongside us and to serve us. Why do they do this? Do they do it for the honor, for the prestige, the, the title of being deacon? No. They do this because they are men who love the Lord. They love his church, and they want to see great things happen in this church family as we all work together for the glory of God and to share the gospel message with the world around us. That is why they serve the way they do. Now, Also, our pastors do share with our deacons different details about what's going on in ministries and We use them as sort of a sounding board at times to, hey, we're coming up to this major decision and we want godly counsel. We want to link arms in prayer and we want to seek the Lord's wisdom in this matter. And so they're a great resource for our pastoral staff and we we are honored. And so why do we work with them? Why do we share with them? Because we trust them. We know that they have met these biblical qualifications. They are men of good reputation. They are full of the spirit and they are wise. And we look to them for counsel. And the sounding board, they provide great godly counsel to our pastoral ministerial staff. These men are a tremendous blessing to the ongoing ministry of this church and the preaching of God's word. We couldn't stand up here week in and week out and do what we do without our deacon ministry faithfully serving. And so recently, you might recall, just in the last couple of months, we've gone through what we call our deacon nomination process. Just like the model we saw in Acts chapter 6 where the apostle said, church among yourselves, nominate. Suggest so men, we had that same process. And so church, we heard from you. You nominated the men to serve, and we walked through that process. And I'll tell you, it was amazing. We literally sat in this room and wrote the names on a whiteboard, and we filled up that whiteboard of men that you guys nominated, faithful men of God that were able and qualified to serve. And I mean, there was 20-plus men on this board written out. And we couldn't take all 20. We have a certain number that we do want to maintain. And So we were looking to, for eight men. And so we walked through that process and we prayerfully considered those eight men. And, and through that process, eight men have been selected and they'll be presented to you and to affirm officially in the deacon ministry. And this morning we're not going to walk through that process, but I do want to share with you those, the names of these eight men because I want you to pray for them. I want you to be thankful to God for these eight men. First one, Stephen Siminoe, Brandon Gamble, Austin Clevenger, Jonathan Leith, Chris Kerb, Barry Smith, Mike Yarborough, and Steve Boyd. These are the eight men that you guys have put forth among, like I said, many others, but these eight men through the process have now come before you or will come before you to be affirmed into the, our deacon ministry. Now, I've got to believe for most of you, these are familiar names. These are people that you're well aware of. Why are you aware of them? Because they are already servants of the Lord. They are already serving. Some of these men, Mike and Steve, they've already served as deacons in previous, um, previous seasons. And they're going to return again to serve again. Most all of them have been serving in, uh, as a deacon yoke fellow. And so you've seen them serving uh, right next to one of our deacons, doing the things that deacons do week in and week out. Every single one of these men serve in another ministry outside of the deacon ministry. These are men, these are servants of God who love this church, who love you and want to serve you. They want to be leaders, lead servants in our church family. So church, pray for these men. And I said, we're truly blessed to be able to present these men in in the coming weeks to you. This is a long tradition in the last years of, of God providing godly men to serve in this role. So why am I talking about deacons? You may be sitting out here going, I'm not a deacon. I'll never be a deacon. What does this have to do with me? Can we go ahead and just call it a wrap and let's go to lunch? No, this is important. Number one, because it's in God's Word. and We need to know it. We need to understand it. We need to understand all of God's Word, and it's very clearly laid out here for us. So this first of all, it's in God's Word, and so we should know it. Second of all, church family, we should praise God for the deacon ministry that we have. I'm sure some of you are aware or have experienced A not-so-positive deacon ministry. It can be a a thorn in the flesh in some church families. That is not the case here. Church, praise the Lord. We are blessed to have a tremendous deacon ministry in our church congregation, in our church family. Then thirdly, use this time, these qualifications, to examine yourself. Like I mentioned, if you study all of the New Testament, you see the qualifications, the mark of Christianity. These same qualifications pretty much are for all of us that profess to be followers of Christ, that say, yes, count me as a Christian, count me as a believer. We have certain qualifications or certain marks, indicators in our own life, the the fruit that gives evidence, that bears evidence, bears proof that you are truly a follower of Christ. So yes, we need to understand and praise God for the office of deacon. Today, we've looked at this idea of serving in the church, Again, it's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are. We worship. We connect. and We serve and we go. While not all of you will serve in the capacity of a deacon, all of you can and should serve in the church. All of us. So Let me ask you a question. How, how are you serving the Lord and His church today? Now that's kind of a Two, uh, two ways to look at that question. How are you serving? First of all, specifically, what ministries are you serving in? How are you serving? What does that look like in your life? How are you using those abilities, the gifts, the talents that God has given you? How are you serving in this church? And the second way to look at that is more of a, an attitude. When you are serving, how are you serving? Oh, i got to go pass out worship guys again today. They're just going to snatch them out of my hand. i got to go rock those babies. You know, they will not shut up. How are you serving? Now, look, we're not all called to change diapers. I'll go ahead and agree with you on that, all right? But when you are serving, when you have the opportunity to serve and to use those God-given gifts, those God-given abilities that he has given you to serve, do you do it with a grateful heart? The scripture is full of of references of how we're to serve. But for me, the the number one scripture, the easiest to look at is Psalms 100 verse 2. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. It's not I have to go to church. I get to go to church. I get to serve the Lord. He has saved me. He's redeemed me. He's saved me. He snatched me out of hell. I get to go rock babies. I get to go build buildings. I get to go teach Sunday school. I get to go pass out worship gods. I get to go plunge toilets. Yes! Thank you, Jesus. I get to serve. Church family, how are you serving the Lord today? In what areas? With what spirit? What attitude? With a heart of gladness and thankfulness? And as always, if you need some help, understanding, well, I I, want to serve, I'm willing, I just don't know how. How can I move dirt for the glory of God? I don't see how I can do that. We'll help you. Trust me, we can help you. Reach out to our pastors or our ministry staff. We would be glad to point you in a specific ministry, and we'll try some. You can go, hey, well, this is great, it didn't work, but what's next? As long as you're willing, we'll plug you into a ministry. We'll get you connected for you to serve. So I do want to challenge you this morning to really ask yourself that question. How am I serving the Lord? Can I do more to serve the Lord? What else can I do? Because remember around Grace Life Family, when it comes to serving, say it with me, he gets the glory and we get the the joy. We get the joy to serve the Lord. It's not work. Yeah, sometimes it's hard. But when you're serving the Lord and you're using your gifts and talents for His glory, man, it's joy. It's joy through sweat. It's joy through poison oak. It's joy through dirty diapers. It's joy through teaching and preparing and preparing crafts for kids to do. And it's the joy of the Lord in us that we get to serve Him. Whether it's deacons, Sunday school teachers, you name it church family we are blessed because we are called to serve the lord we get to be his body we get to be his hands and feet and i guarantee you if you ever experienced this i know many of you have when you get your hands dirty you're serving the lord and we're trying to be a blessing to others we always receive more of a blessing than we give it never fails no matter what you're doing when you're faithfully serving the lord with a glad heart you're going to be tremendously blessed it just happens that way. So church, I love you. Thank you for serving the way you do. Pray for our deacon ministry as we begin here just in a couple weeks to, to usher in eight new guys to our deacon ministry team. Thank the Lord for the leaders that he's, given, he's blessed us with, that he's given us to serve us faithfully. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you, first of all, for the joy of our salvation. God that you have saved us, you have called us your own and you have gifted us to work and to, to be about doing things for your glory. And in that God, we work together to spread the gospel to all nations, beginning right here in this room and taking that gospel message around the globe. Lord, if there's anybody here today that does not know you that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and savior, I pray Father, that you would draw them to yourself today. Open their heart and their eyes to see their tremendous need for you, God. That you will step in forgive them of their sins. And because of what Christ did on the cross and died for us, took our sin debt, took it upon himself, he paid the penalties that we might be free. Just as he was raised from the grave, we too can walk in a new life. A life redeemed, saved, to serve you and to to live for your glory, Father. I pray that Anyone here that needs to do that today, God, is obedient to you and accepts that free gift of salvation. Lord, thank you that you use us to accomplish your kingdom work. Lord, you give us the opportunity to use our hands and our minds and and all the things, the gifts and talents that you've given us, God. We get to use them for your glory, to build your kingdom. God, it is a tremendous honor that you've given to us. And I pray, Father, that we would be found faithful out of an abundance of worship, out of a heart of worship and love for you and love for your people, God, that we would faithfully serve you by serving your church. God, continue to remind us that as we serve each other, we are helping to put forth and to move forward the gospel ministry, the the hope of the gospel to the world around us. Father, as we begin this new week, Lead and guide us so that no matter what we find ourselves doing this week, we will be sure to do all of it for your glory. We pray and ask this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. As we close our time together this morning, let's stand together. and We're going to close our time of worship. I'll be down here uh, down front. If I can help you, pray for you. Introduce you to Jesus for the first time. I would love that opportunity. But if you just want to be in God's presence and continue to worship, please do so. Church, family, thank the Lord above for gathering together. I mean, look around this room. I know times are challenging. It's hard. There's junk out there. And, and we need to be cautious, and we need to, we'll need we do the right things. But don't, like the Bible says, don't forsake coming together to be a blessing to to one another and to serve one another all for his glory. Let's thank the Lord together today as we close our time in worship.